Amen. Hey, we've got a birthday coming up. Someone is turning 25. Who is it? Are you turning 25? No, I just, I, just look, I just look like I'm turning 25. <laughs> no, LCC is turning 25, and Woo! we are, yes. We're so excited. We were trying to remember what, what life was like back in 1997. Yes. And I couldn't. I think I was out of my diapers at that point. <laughs> right, 97? I think so. Yeah, who, who wasn't born in 97? Got a couple. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, wow. those two back there. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Not <laughs> Awesome. Nice. So we've got two weeks before yes. our big anniversary weekend. We've got things happening Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, big celebration Sunday morning, followed by lunch. Um, I, dinner? What? We, I wish there was, mm, you know, I just wish there was an opportunity Saturday night to get dinner with people that were like coming from out of town. Is, oh, yeah? Is, 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 there, is there anything going um, on? I think there might be. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. So we realized that we have so many things planned that weekend, we wanted to open up Saturday evening for people to just get together and hang out and eat food together. Yes. Yes. My favorite. favorite oh, my <laughs> oh, gosh. Same. Wow. wow. Of all the yes. things we planned, we yes. did not plan that. That's right. Nice. So cool. if you would like to host a dinner, and that could be as simple as, hey, we're going to be at this park at this time, Saturday night, invite people to your home, a restaurant, whatever you want to do, there's a link on mylcc.info to sign up for that. That's awesome. I, Lee, I, I also wish there was a way, you know, with this whole 25th anniversary thing happening, I've heard that there's a lot that needs to get done, and I just wish that there was a way that we could sign up mm. to serve and help. Is, true. is there a way? I'm so glad you asked, Brett. <gasps> what? Can you, can you show me how to I, I can. If this? you have your phones, guys, yeah, I'll yeah. show you too. There's a website. Let's, let's I don't know if, if anyone's heard phones. of it. Can you guys help me out with the website? Oh, you said that was info. Nice. mylcc.info. Nice. We're right. also looking for people to help set up for events, run some of the events, yes. clean up. Okay. I am Where on mylcc.info. Yeah, so group notes. Yep. And then scroll cool. down. Okay. Uh, big banner for the oh, anniversary weekend. The, oh, man, no, I no, no, don't oh, click don't on that click one. On that. <laughs> you oh, can shoot. click on that if you want. Maybe we should practice. No, you're good. This. Okay. So, so there's a sign-up link for okay. helping out. Oh, right here. And then there's a sign-up link for dinner oh. if you want to host dinner. It's all right there. It's all right there. It's all right there, guys. All yeah, the everybody has it up on their phones right now. I'm seeing. I'm seeing. I see no phones out. If you can't tell, we need people to sign up for things. <laughs> so please go online and do that. No, we're so excited. It's yes. going to be a big celebration, it's and we're so amazing. glad we get to do this with you guys. Yes. And we have people coming who have been part of LCC in the past who are coming back to visit. We're going to have, what, like LCC bands through the years? Yes. It's going to be amazing. So we're excited about it. We're so glad you're here this morning, and we're going to continue with worship. Yes, you guys can stay standing. We're going to continue. We're going to throw it back, actually, with a song in light of our 25th birthday, a song that is not that old, but pretty old. So we're going to ask that you guys join us in dancing along. Good morning. So glad you're with us uh, here in the building and at home online. Um, and uh, he does take good care of us, right? Amen. Um, we're going to be in the book of Matthew this morning. If you've got a Bible and you want to turn there, uh, a couple different places. We'll start in Matthew 6 and, um, and head, um, head to Matthew 26 uh, as, we, as we talk through uh, our topic for this morning. Uh, but I want to tell you about my friend Jason. 
I've known Jason a long time, over 20 years. I used to teach with Jason. Um, and, and every so often I call Jason, or usually I text him first, um, because Jason uh, left teaching. He's now my handyman. He's like my, my construction guy, okay? And um, I have shared, those who've been around, I've shared that um, I, I'm not great at swinging a hammer, um, and, and I'm, I'm not, I am not a handyman. I, I tend to screw up most of the things around the house when I try to get into them. So anytime I come across something that I'm intimidated by or I've started it and I've made a mess of it, I call Jason, okay? Jason's really good. Jason is relational with me too. Like we're kind of old friends. So when he gets in the house and uh, he installed an in, inside door for us in our kitchen and it's great. He comes in and he talks. It's, a, it's probably a, a you know, two-hour job that turns into like four hours because we're talking and catching up. And it's, it's great to have Jason around, okay? Um, and I tell you about Jason because we've been in a series all summer, and it's about to wrap up. We just have one more week after today. About, uh, uh, and the series has been called Jesus And, with the, and the premise being that, that we ought to, when we consider life, we ought to begin with what Jesus tells us, Okay? Not like, you know, my money and Jesus or my family and Jesus, but the other way around. Jesus first, right? Jesus first. It's pretty simple. And today we're going to talk about Jesus and prayer. And, and I tell you about Jason because I tend to also treat God just like I treat Jason. Right? Um, I, I kind of, you know, I, I go about life doing most of what I can on my own, my own energy, my own resources. And then I hit a wall and I say, God, help right? Um, I, things are moving along, and I'm just going through the motions of, of a lot of stuff, and, and then something big comes along, bigger than I can carry, and I stop then, and I go, oh, that's right. I have someone with more resources than I do, and more knowledge and strength, and I need to, I need to call him. It's kind of the way that I have treated prayer, um, and I think, I, I, I'm not ashamed to share that I, because I think you're probably like me in a lot of ways too. I think we probably share that in common. That we tend to, we tend to revert to prayer, resort to prayer when we, we don't have the right tool for the job or the strength to get it done or we're, we're confused and don't know the answers. Then that's when we, we move toward God in prayer. But as we talk about prayer today, we're going to try to hit some questions like, what even is prayer? Why bother with it? Am I doing it right, wrong, otherwise? Uh, what are we supposed to do with stuff that's said in public, like thoughts and prayers? Or, 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 or pray, is prayer just thoughts? Like, is that all we're doing here? Like, what happens to my prayers once I say them? You know, where do they go? Like, those are all questions that we kind of have about prayer. And, and some of those questions are, are, are addressed pretty directly in the scriptures, and others it, it doesn't, uh, you know, we, we're left with some mystery around prayer. But like I said, we're going to be in Matthew, and if you want to go to Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bible, Matthew's the first book of the New Testament, probably about two-thirds of the way back in your Bible if you've got one. We'll put these on the screen like always. But, but we're going to look at um, kind of two parts to this. We're going to look at what Jesus said about prayer or taught about prayer. And then we're going we're gonna to look at, at Jesus himself in prayer, okay? And we're going to look at those two, two aspects of prayer when it comes to, to Jesus himself. And so here we, we are in Matthew chapter 6, and, and in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, okay? Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, it says this. It says, when you pray, okay, there's an assumption here, Jesus is saying, when you pray, you're going to pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, 
For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. He says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So Jesus is, is you know, he's talking. This is, this is in the midst of uh, what's commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. It's about three chapters of the book of Matthew where Jesus is teaching and many different subjects, all centered around the idea of kind of like a, a new God, like, like he's introducing something new. Like you've heard it said, but I tell you, okay, is a common phrase in these three chapters. And here he's talking about prayer. And he says, when you pray, don't do it like the hypocrites, okay? The hypocrites, uh, the word actually comes from this idea of like the actors, the people who wore masks, okay, to perform parts. He says, don't do it like you're performing, okay? Like there's people who, who, who use prayer like it's a performance. <clears throat> um, they pretend. He says they're using it to gain status or attention. He says, that's not how you do this, okay? That's not how you do this. And, but he's, he kind of ends with this line, like, look, here's the thing. We may, there are people who, and, and he, in Jesus' day and still today, and we may be tempted to use prayer as a performance, as a way to get attention. And he even says here, truly I say to you, they've received the reward. The thing about that is you might be successful, right? Like you might be really good at public prayer. It might actually be a skill that, that is developed that you have. And people may look at, at you or, or, or me or whoever and say, whew, they really can pray, Right? Well, Jesus says, congratulations, you've got your reward. Like, like the work here is done. It's just earthly, okay? It's just about you and the, and the performance. Don't do it like that. He goes on to correct, right? But, okay, verse six, but when you do pray, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So, okay, so don't do it this way, but do it this way and go at it alone. Go at it alone. Now, like it or not, okay, like it or not, prayer is, it's a, it's a weapon that's best wielded in private. It's not to say, we'll say this a couple times, it's not to say that we should never pray together in public. That's not what's being said. But what's being said is, there's gonna be, like, there's a draw to, to the, the public performative aspects of prayer. And Jesus is correcting here and saying, that's not the heart of prayer. That's not the purpose of prayer. Prayer is not primarily about that. And so, so it's best wielded as a private weapon. And here's what I would maybe summarize it this way, to say it this way, okay? That the real sort of test of our prayer, the real sort of test of, our, of prayer as a, as a measure of our faith and walk with Christ is whether or not we do pray in private. I'm going to confess this, right? There's periods of time where I look back at a week or a month, and I ask my, if I ask myself, and I'm being honest, when have I prayed this week? And the number of times that I prayed in a public setting far outnumber the times I've prayed in a private setting. There's like a disconnect. I've become the hypocrite, right? Don't be like that he says. The real test of whether or not we, we believe him in prayer is the doing it in private, away from the, the, the setting where people will see us. That's kind of the real test of our integrity in everything, though, right? Will we do it when no one's watching? Will we participate in the work of God when, it's, when, when quite frankly, there's no reward for it besides the connection to God that comes from it. 
Will we do that? And Jesus is getting at that question. It's, it, it's so at the very heart of what he's doing in this entire passage. But let's keep reading because he gives us another one. In verse 7, he gives another do not. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. And that first warning is probably a warning against the, the, the Jewish religious hypocrites, like the, the religious leaders. And now he says, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do or as those sort of outside of our faith do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask it. He draws this, he gives kind of another, I don't know if it's necessarily a contrast, but it's another, okay, like don't, don't do this either, okay? Don't do this either. And it's interesting here because uh, one way to translate this, the, the, the empty phrases, they heap up empty phrases, is don't babble. Okay, don't babble. Don't just say words for words to be said. And it's interesting because the word babble actually comes from a name, the name Battis. Um, and no, not 100% positive, the name Battis and the word babble get put together by one of, through one of two routes. Okay, there were two sort of Battises that would have been around the origin of this word. One was the uh, king of Cyrene, the king of Cyrene. And, and actually he was known for stuttering or stammering when he spoke. And so babbling sort of became like giving a, a public, you know, like forcing people to come hear you, but then the, the, the stammering, stuttering through it. And it became, that became babbling, okay, the word. But also there was a poet named Battis who was uh, well known for being tedious and wordy, okay? So whichever way it came, it's not, it, this is, it's not a good thing, right? So, so Jesus says here, he says, look, when you pray, when you pray, don't just pile on a bunch of words. It, this is not a, a contest of volume, okay? Not, not volume loud, volume quantity of words. It's not a contest of who can say the most words, who can pray the longest, right? That's what he's saying. It's, that's not the point. Sort of like, he sort of says here, like, get to the point. Your father knows, right? Your father knows, he says, he, he knows what you need before you ask. The purpose here isn't for for, for God the Father or, or the Son or the Spirit to hear how many words you can use in order to somehow, by the, by the sheer length of your prayer, convince him to do what you're asking him to do, right? That's not the point. So don't do that either, okay? Don't do it for a show. Do it in private. And don't just pile on a bunch of words just for the sake of doing it longer, right? So, so two sort of warnings there. And then he says this, okay? This is a part that probably a lot of us are familiar with. He says in verse 9, pray then like this. And he gives us this example. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So positioning, positioning our Father, positioning God rightly. Okay? Our Father who is, who is not <laughs> of this world. Okay? And then he says, hallowed, that, that word really means, it just means, it means holy. But, but it's a statement to say, like, by saying it out loud, it's like saying, our Father, you are, you, like, we separate you. You are distinct. You are different. You are one of a kind. There's other fancy theological words, like, you're sanctified, like, all kinds of things that get tied up in this. But essentially, it, it, it recognizes that there is a God, and he's, it's not me, Right? I'm putting him in his proper place. It has echoes of, of Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments to take his name and keep it holy, not vainly, not, em, not in an empty fashion, right? 
So this states it positively, whereas in the Old Testament stated, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Jesus here says, says, no, like lift his name, set his name apart. So he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he says, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. Make way, make way for him as Lord. Make his kingdom the top priority. He's the king. Acknowledge it. And in his kingdom, he has a way things are meant to be. We could, we could argue here that, that Jesus is restating Exodus chapter 20 again with no other gods before him, right? Stating it positively here. Your kingdom, you are the king. We want your kingdom to reign says, your kingdom come, and then he says, your will be done, right? Your will be done in a battle of wills. What's going on here? Who gets to win? And Jesus says that when we speak to the Father, right in the midst of this, we, we acknowledge him and say to him, we want what you want. And if we don't want what you want, we want to want what you want, okay? So we say it for that reason. We say it. We want your will to be done. Well, what is God on earth as it is in heaven? By the way, there's just a, the, the, the clashing of eternity with the, temp, with the temporary, with the now. God, we want the conditions of your kingdom, the conditions of the fullness of your promise. We want them to be true now. Would you make it so? Your will be done. And then he asks these things, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice there is a request here, right? Would you, would you take care of our needs? But it also, it's a request with limitation, isn't it? Give us this day our daily bread. Not, God, can you help make me rich? God, can you make sure that tomorrow is taken care of too? God, can you turn the stock market around so that my retirement goes back up and I feel better about where I'm going to wind up a couple decades from now? Do you catch that? It's not that God isn't concerned with those things. It's, it, it's the, the requester saying God has those things. What? Sometimes we say, like, I just want to know God's will. What's God's will? And here in the prayer, Jesus is saying, here's part of God's will. Let's get today's needs taken care of. Let's do that. Let's ask him for that. Rather than scratching and clawing to try and get more than today's needs, let's take care of today's needs. Give us this day our daily bread. This also harkens back to the Old Testament, right? When God provided for the children of Israel, he gave them, he gave them bread for the day. It's called manna, like bread for the day. And all kinds of bad things happened when they tried to gather it up and hoard it and take more than just that day's bread. There's a model in this. And he says, forgive us our debts as, as we also have forgiven our debtors. This, the word is debt. It really does mean something owed. Um, metaphorically here, it's talking about, like it, it seems to be talking about our, our sins. It would be, seem to be talking about the transgressions. It's translated sometimes the ways that we've wronged other people. And, and, and so there's a, this element in this prayer that Jesus gives to his followers, right? That, Forgiveness is rooted in, it's rooted in our prayer life. It's rooted in what we talk to God about, that we, we, acknowledge, we acknowledge our need for forgiveness. We gotta keep moving. He says, lead us not into temptation. 
lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So keep us away from temptation. Steer us, steer us into, in, into, into a life that's away from evil. Help us know, help us to move that direction. And you see, prayer, there's an acknowledgement here that prayer has a role in our resistance to temptation. Prayer has a role in our resistance to the flesh, our own desires. Prayer is, prayer is a way of positioning ourselves so that the temptations of this life, the temptations of the world are more resistible. Are we struggling with sin? Are you struggling with sin in your life? I, I, it's not a cliche. Are you, are you praying? Not just about it, but are you praying? Prayer has a way of crowding out the temptation. It has a way of pushing back against it. It's not just modern psychology and, and, and our focus. It's, it, has, it has a reality in the spiritual world that moves us. It helps shape us. It helps us understand what God is doing and see him rightly. And so Jesus gives us this, this sort of example of prayer. Notice it's not long. Remember the, where he started? Don't go on with senseless babble. It's not long. It's not full of vanity. It's also, you know, it can be used. We can, and I'm certainly not saying we don't memorize the scriptures and know it, but, but it's not intended to be a, a prayer that we recite, just in kind of an empty ritual of saying the words. It's, it's meant as an example. It's tied to a larger faith, right? All the things about who God is and the forgiveness of our sins, and it's all built in there. And it's focused on God and the prayer's relationship to him, okay? It's focused on, on God and the one praying and their relationship to him. Did you catch that? It doesn't mean that we... That we ought never to make request, prayer requests, that we not, ought not to pray for this. But notice it's not in there. There's not, there's not all the prayer about other, uh, other issues going on or all the things that we desire or the people that we're concerned for. Again, that's not to say we don't do that. The scriptures will say, make your requests to God. Make them known, okay? And we're going to look at that with a little more depth in just a minute. But notice in the example prayer, the, the, the purpose of the prayer seems to be about the, the, the relationship between the person praying and the Father, right? So if it's not about certain things, this model, and it, but it is about others, then we want to ask the question, how did Jesus pray, okay? When we see Jesus pray. So later in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 26, this is where we've kind of been in and out of the last few weeks because we're winding down this series on Jesus and his life and his teaching. And so we get to kind of the end of the story here in these last few chapters of the Gospels. So in Matthew chapter 26, we want to look at this moment, this moment where Jesus prays, right? This moment where Jesus prays. And so we're in Matthew chapter 26, and this is, um, it's, it's a lengthy chapter. We're going to be looking at a section in the center of it. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. And it says this, Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. The place may be familiar to you. The place, this is it's sometimes called a garden. Um, it's probably a grove at the foot of the Mount of Olives, which is just outside the city of Jerusalem. It's a place, okay? 
So he goes to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Okay? He began to be sorrowful and troubled. So Jesus is, is he's in this, he's in the garden, okay, or this, this grove, he's in this place. And even in that setting, I want to, I want, did you catch what Jesus does and says here? That's consistent with what he said in Matthew chapter 6, right? Even in, in this hour, even at this point in time, when Jesus knows he's nearing kind of the end of the work, okay? When it's time for him to pray, he says to the, the group of disciples that are with him, the group of followers with him, he says, you sit here and you stay. It's time for prayer, and I'm going to go away to pray. Okay? Again, it's not that we never pray in public together. It's not that we ne- But Jesus' action here is consistent with what he'd said about prayer. He goes away. He steps away to pray. He takes just a smaller group with him. And we're going to see from that, there's even another step of removal in just a second here. But I want to I wanna comment on this, and I'm... I'm going to take a risk, okay? If you know me and love me, forgive me if I'm about to offend you. If you don't know me, try to love me and forgive me if I'm about to offend you. If you know me and you don't like me, I'm about to offend you. <laughs> Let's take it up later and work these things out, okay? But here's the thing. Notice what it says at the very end of this. The end of, the, the, the end of verse 37, he says, he, be, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. It was desperate times, right? This is desperate times. This is like, if we, if we, when, we, when we really grasp this, when we really grasp this, it's easy, it can be easy, I think, for me and for, for us to sort of put Jesus back in a historical category and not really consider the fact that Jesus, while being God, was fully man, fully human. And he's facing a crisis that's almost unimaginable, right? In his complete innocence, he knows that he's about to take on the guilt of the world, the sin of the world. And he's going to go through this pain and agony in his physical body and in his emotional life. He's troubled and he's sorrowful and he's desperate, right? And wouldn't be this be the exact time and moment to take up arms? Wouldn't this be the time to, to, to develop a strategy and to get that strategy up and to, to, to find a, a spot on that, the base of that Mount of Olives and to speak out against the injustice that's about to take place? And wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be amazing in that moment for Jesus to gather all of those disciples together and to get use any platform he can to invoke the name of his father. Now, here's the part that I think might bother you. Okay? I watched, and this is, I realize I'm stepping into political water, but I don't want to talk about the politics of it. I want to talk about the act. I watched on January 26th, or not 26th, Right? And I watched, I, I didn't, honestly, I tried not to, I tried to look away a bit. 
but there was something that happened that shook me, okay? That shook me. That those who, those who entered the Congress building and went to the podium of the, of the U.S. Senate, they stood in the, the podium there, and they invoked the name of God in a prayer. And I was shook. Okay? And not in a good way. Now, again, this really, it's not about how you vote. It's about what you believe about prayer. And here's why I was, I was punched in that moment. Because everything that I believed to be true about prayer was being manipulated through. It was being, my, the prayer to my Savior was being weaponized in a public way. It's not what Jesus tells us about prayer, right? And it's not what Jesus did when he was at his, look, desperate times call for desperate measures, right? Except Jesus' desperate measure was to go alone and to get with his father. Again, it's easy for us. I think we, it's easy for us, it's easy for me to take prayer as a public symbol of, of God's, like, approval of what I'm doing or God's work in my life. Or if I say it in the right setting, in the right way, it's got to be endorsed by God. But that's, that's not the pattern that Jesus lived. When he was, his, his prayers, he, he went away. He got, he didn't in this desperate moment gather everyone together to rally the troops in a prayer. And there's deep pain here. Okay, you're still here, right? At least in body. Because Jesus goes on. He says to them, this is, clearly is going to be Peter, James, and John, the three that would be, have been with him that he took away. He said, he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. He says, remain here and watch with me. So he, he articulates to them the, the pain, right? And then it says, going a little farther. So he, you notice what he does. He even still separates himself a little bit further. He fell on his face. He takes a posture, right? He fell on his face. And he prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Cup being what I'm, what I'm about to have to drink. This, this, what, what, this, this judgment that I'm about to have to drink for, for the world. Let it pass from me. And he says this, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. There is pain in this prayer. There's anguish in it. He's facing this most difficult reality, and he takes the, a posture. Now, his posture is not one of defiance, it's one of a beggar falling on their face, pleading, please, I'm begging. Is there any other way for this to happen? So catch what I'm getting at here, right? And, and what we're seeing in Jesus' prayer. It's not wrong to ask clearly from God what you desire to be true. Did you catch this? It's not wrong. It's not wrong for us to ask of God. God, I don't want this. I don't want it. There's a diagnosis. I don't want this diagnosis. 
There's a relationship breaking up. My marriage is falling apart. I don't want this. My children are rebelling. I don't want this. I've lost my job and my, my, our funds are dwindling. I don't want this. Jesus said, is there any other way? Can we please take another path here, God? But he also says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Keep reading. Verse 40. And he came, and found his, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. They had a big meal. It was late at night. He says to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour, Okay. Just one hour. Watch and pray. Now catch this, that you may not enter into temptation. Does that sound familiar? What does prayer do? It helps us resist. It's, it is a tool to help us resist temptation and sin. And Peter could have used it at this point. We talked last week about Peter's betrayal, his denial of Jesus. He, Jesus says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We say that a lot, right? It's, it's one thing to say, I'm, I'm going to do something, I'm not going to do something. It's a different thing to follow through with it. Verse 42, keep going. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Notice there's a little bit of a shift, right? It seems that Jesus has the answer to his question. Is there any other way? Is there any other way? Is there any other way? And it seems here that he says, it doesn't seem like there's any other way, but one more time, can I ask? But your will be done, he says. Again, a clear ask, but it's followed by submission to God's will, God's plan, God's outcome. Prayer isn't, prayer isn't either asking or submitting, it's both. You with me? Prayer isn't either asking God for, for, for making our request known to him or submitting to what God has. It's both. He goes back in verse 43, and they're asleep again. <laughs> Their eyes were heavy. Did anybody else fall asleep a lot during prayer? Anything, anybody, honestly, anybody that's like, uh, if I close my eyes, I can't pray because if I close my eyes, I'll be asleep in 10 seconds. This is not new, okay? This has been a thing for a while. It's also not the best idea to, like, put your head on your pillow and then decide it's the best time to pray. But, again, less mechanics now and just the reality. Okay. He came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away. And listen to this. He prayed a third time, saying the same words. God, is there any way? Is there any other way besides this way? But if there's not then your will be done, right? Your will be done. Jesus prays in his most desperate hour. He doesn't stand up and make a speech. He doesn't gather everyone together and do it, go through a strategy session for how they can change the outcome. Jesus prays. That's the weapon that he chose in his moment of greatest need. So I guess my question for us is, 
Why do we do it different from Jesus? Put it this way. What does my prayer say about my faith? Jesus' prayer said many things about about his faith in his father, his trust in his father. What does my prayer say about my faith? And I want to posit a few possibilities. Okay? There, There certainly could be others. There certainly could be others, Um, but I've got a few things just to to put in front of us, ideas to consider about our prayer and what what our prayer life says about our faith. And the first thing may be obvious, but I just need to to say it, okay? Um, Perhaps one of the things that that our, our prayer life says about us is that we don't really believe in God. Okay, hear me out. I don't pray because when it comes down to it, I'm not really positive that there even is a God who's active and involved. Now, again, that may seem obvious, okay? That may seem obvious, but it's the reason we, that prayer becomes this excellent litmus test for whether or not we really believe in God. Because here's the deal about prayer. Those of us who pray know this very... Uh, very clearly. We pray for any number of things to take place and to happen, and we make our requests to God. And I'm just going to speak honestly and truthfully to you. Often, the thing we're asking God for does not happen the way we want it to happen. But you know the good news here? That's exactly what, that we're in good company with Jesus, right? Because Jesus is saying, please take this from me, and it wasn't taken from him. He went through it right? We've, I've prayed for that family member of mine who doesn't know Christ as his Lord and hasn't trusted him. I've prayed that they would know him. And to the best of my knowledge, they never did. I meant it. I prayed it, right? I prayed for the health of my close friend with cancer, and he was dead in 18 months from his diagnosis. We prayed in our household that we wouldn't lose that child, and we lost the child. Like, we just know this. And so sometimes prayer, we just look at it, and the, the truth is, the reality is, we just look at it, we go, it, it, it's not effective. And so in order to do it, it requires faith in the one who says, no, nah, keep doing it. Keep doing it. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus himself said, like, there's this widow and justice isn't being carried out against her, but she keeps going to the judge who doesn't honor God nor man, but she keeps going to him. And eventually he says, okay, fine. That's not to say, like, God's going to give you what you want if you just say it the magical number of times, but it is to say, Jesus himself says, don't lose heart in your prayer. Don't lose heart. But in order to pray, to actually do it, it requires faith. So I'm just going to say something. Maybe we don't do it. Maybe we don't do it because we don't really believe. Maybe we don't really believe. Another possibility. Another thing that our prayer life could say about us, when we think about, like, where we are when it comes to prayer, some of us need to evaluate whether or not we have, like, the hypocrites' weaponized prayer. Like Jesus talks about in Matthew 6, 
I only pray when someone else is going to hear it because that's the only time it's useful to me is when someone else is going to hear my words. So I don't do it. I don't pray in private. I don't. Why bother? I've manipulated it as a, as a tool for my own advancement. I've said enough about that. This last idea, okay, this last idea is tied to the very first one. I think there's a lot of us who really, we really do genuinely believe, genuinely believe in God. We, we, we just, we trust in him, we trust Christ. But we're really skeptical about prayer as a tool of changing God's mind. We're just skeptical about it. Yeah, I know that the Bible says pray, and I usually feel guilty that I'm not praying enough. But if I'm going to be honest, I've prayed, like, really hard. Like, my soul's been in anguish, and God's will didn't bend to mine. And when that's the case, when that's the case, I think it's when this prayer of Jesus is so critical for us to understand. Because if we believe that the purpose of prayer is to get God to bend his will to ours, we've missed the purpose of prayer that Jesus put right in front of us. It's not that God doesn't move based on our prayers. He's told us that he does. And it's a matter of faith that we trust him. Even if the odds aren't quite in our favor, historically. But I'm not talking about necessarily the effectiveness. I'm talking about what we believe about the purpose of prayer. We tend to use it as, as a tool for changing God's mind. We, we maybe misapply certain scriptures to mean that God's obligated to give us what we ask for if we say the magic words or if our faith reaches a certain level of whatever, uh, achievement, then he has to give us what we want. But then we meet those conditions and it doesn't happen and so we get real skeptical about whether or not it's necessary because it's not doing what I think it ought to do. But in Jesus, we, you see, we see something different because Jesus met all the conditions. He was earnest, like he really believed and wanted, he knew God could do it. He was faultless, he was spirit-led and the answer for him was still no. The cup was not going to be taken from him. But he prayed anyway. He prayed anyway. But did you catch what's right in front of us through all of this? Because the purpose of prayer is not to get God to bend his will to ours. What's the purpose of prayer? My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Later on there in Matthew 26, again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. In Matthew 6, what, is, what did Jesus tell his followers to pray? Your will be done. You see, if we're not praying because it, we've, we've, it, prayer has been shown to be ineffective in getting God to bend his will to mine, we've got it all wrong. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to bend his will to mine. The purpose of prayer is to help me bend my will to his. That's why we pray. We pray because God has asked us to, and in prayer we find him. And something moves in us 
Oh, it's not that it's not that God isn't on the move. It's not that our requests being made known to him are never going to go the way that we think they ought to go. But ultimately, the end of this is that we come to a place where we say, okay, God, your will be done. Not mine, yours. Here's what I want, and I want it so bad. And you know what, God? It would be really good for you if you gave it to me. I'm going to make all the deals. I'm going to make all the promises. I'm going to see to it, God, that if you give me this, oh, your name's going to be holy all over the place. But it doesn't happen. Because he's inviting us into prayer because in, that, in our prayer, we come into communion with him. And that's where we find what Jesus is saying and doing when it comes to prayer. And now, we're going to pray together, okay? Short, and I'm going to sit down, and the band's going to play another song. We'll have a little silence between us. But talk to God. Maybe it's been a while, but talk to God. God, we, um, we do this because we believe you are real and that you move through prayer. And so we ask you now, would you move in us? And we thank you. God, we want to take a moment to be with you in prayer. And God, we ask that not our will be done today, God, but yours. Help us to trust in you. Give us faith. And it's in your name that we pray. Thank you all so much for joining us this morning and worshiping with us. Um, so excited to celebrate um, LCC's 25-year birthday in just um, less than two weeks, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, make sure you head on to uh, mylcc.info um, to check out all the ways that you can um, help make the weekend happen. <laughs> um, uh, hosting a small gathering um, on Saturday night at your house, a restaurant, get creative. Um, and there's a sign-up genius for um, helping out with all sorts of stuff from setting up, tearing down, to making balloon animals. So something for everybody. <laughs> so hope you guys have a great rest of your week.